The following message is from the 2016 IBCD Summer Institute. Disordered Desires, Bringing Grace to Modern Sexuality. So the, the title of this workshop, as you see on the screen, is Homosexuality, Caring for Family and Friends. And my name is Tom Maxim. Let me open in prayer and then we'll begin. Would you bow your hearts with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for our great salvation. May we behold our salvation and our Savior uh, in the aspects of past, present, and future. And by your spirit, would you help me to teach and would you help those here to really listen? And Lord, we cry out uh, for mercy. Um, you're the one who grants mercy. And we cry out for mercy on our loved ones, whether they're family or friends, that are caught up in homosexuality. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So the, the topic of uh, homosexuality and uh, ministering to family and friends of people um, um, who are affected by this is becoming uh, an, uh, increasingly important. Um, uh, more and more people in the church are being effectively, uh, affected personally by it. Uh, how many here have uh, a family member, a friend, a friend of a friend, directly, indirectly, um, someone in the church who's uh, a homosexual or struggling with same-sex attraction? Can you raise your hands really high? Look, look at the room. It's, I, I, it's virtually everybody. Um, it's quite the, uh, the, the issue of our day. And the church is having to reform because of it. It's a good thing. It's uh, through history when, when these problems present themselves to the church, the church has to get their act together on a doctrine. And they, they do have to reform both in attitude and in a better understanding. And it's what's happening. Um, I think there's less joking about it, mocking about it, attitude-wise, that sort of thing. And the, the things that are being written and the conferences and things today are um, from study of, of the topic of homosexuality and sin and uh, understanding that uh, this is a heart desire that leads to behavior, that leads to all kinds of, of, of damage. Um, so the church really is um, doing a much better job um, as a result. And I want to clarify uh, before we begin that this topic is on homosexuality. So someone who's given over to this idolatry and uh, it's not on same-sex attraction. Um, now, um, someone with same-sex attraction could be a mature Christian. They could be a member of a church, a leader. They could be glorifying God with their, their life. So there's a big difference in the two. Now, there's times when something I say about one will apply to the other. And I might switch over a little bit, but you're going you're gonna to have to discern that. But basically, it, the topic is about, about homosexuality. So... There's kind of two parts. One is I want to give you an overall understanding in, in what I can do in uh, this short amount of time of uh, the, con the a biblical view of homosexuality. Um, and then we're going to move into specifically caring for family and friends. But without the overall understanding, you kind of, it's, it's very difficult to be able to interact the, the way we should. So we're going to start with that. And then we'll narrow down into the topic of uh, caring for family and friends. But really... Uh, giving you an overall understanding is caring for family and friends. It's an important part of it. So one is, how do we know right and wrong? And we know right and wrong through our conscience and through created design, which is uh, general, uh, general revelation. 
Um, and then we also know right, right and wrong through God's written word, special revelation. Um, so when you're talking with, with people, um, you can appeal to the conscience. People know deep down inside that, that this is wrong. Um, people's conscience can get hardened. You can appeal to create a design. You can appeal to God's word. Uh, it just depends on the, on the, uh, the, you know, whether it's you trying to think through it or, or the, the conversation you're, you're having with somebody. I had a guy one time that was an activist, a homosexual activist, and I would say his conscience was hardened. He said it used to bother him. It doesn't bother him. He was uh, hostile to God's word, and as we talked about creative design, he really didn't have an, an answer for it. So um, this, this is how we know uh, right and wrong. You go from sort of a sense of it in your conscience to, to seeing um, the illness and, and harm that can happen from uh, misuse of uh, an injury that can happen from misuse of creative design. And then God's word, you see that it's sin, it's idolatry. Um, and um, unrepentant homosexuality is um, um, damnable. Uh, marriage in the Bible is an, an unassailable topic, meaning um, a homosexual, uh, uh, atheist, um, that anyone who wants to come against uh, our teaching on homosexuality uh, what they're what they're missing is uh, the idea of marriage is just unassailable. You know, they might point to a passage of the Bible and say you're you're misinterpreting that passage on homosexuality, but marriage from Genesis to Revelation is perfectly consistent. Um, it's a consistent pattern, a theme, um, and there's a reason why there's the command of that is marriage is between uh, a man and a woman. Um, there's a reason behind all all these commands. Uh, all of God's commands, and the reason for this is he wants to protect marriage. And uh, uh, first and foremost is he wants that picture of his relationship with his people, which if you were in the plenary earlier, you heard Sam beautifully um, describe that. God also wants to protect the uh, sustainability and stability of the um, society. Um, I'm going to mention some resources later, and... Um, I've written a little bit on this, a little more in depth, if you want uh, more information. And uh, homosexuality has a cause. It's sin. Um, sometimes we dance around that topic a little bit, um, but we need not. It's sin. It doesn't mean that uh, by saying that, that we um, are not to be very, very compassionate people or be judgmental as though um, in our self-righteousness we're better than somebody else. But it is sin. Um, the creation uh, groans under the curse of, uh, the, that the world is under, Romans 8, 20 to 22. Um, for we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Another way, oh, and then as far as the creation groaning, the fall affects everything. It affects nature in um, um, in God's creation, it affects our bodies, it affects relationships, it affects sexuality, it affects our work. It's all under the curse. Another way to look at it is it's sin in the aspect of its depravity. There's the fallenness of man, um, the uh, original sin, however you want to word it. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is more deceitful than all else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? We can't even understand the, the depth of the sin in our, in our own hearts. And then finally, um, oh, here's a quote from uh, 
J.I. Packer, um, he says, sinfulness marks everyone from birth and is there in the form of a motivationally twisted heart prior to any actual sins. And that's true for, for all of us. And then Jesus in Mark 7 um, said that for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, adultery, sensualities, and many more things. But, but these things are coming from within, from the heart of man. Uh, you'll, you'll hear conversations about the, uh, the idea of a predisposition for this and um, also provocations. So the pre- predispositions would have to do with is there a biological factor and the provocations would have to do are there developmental factors. And I would say yes, there are. Um, that I wouldn't argue with that there could be pre- predispositions to this and I wouldn't argue that um, that there could be things in, in the development of uh, a young person that pushes them in a particular direction. Um, but the key to this is that these things are not determinative, that we have, um, you know, you know uh, if, they, if they are converted and they have the Spirit of Christ dwelling in them, um, there is a change process that's begun. And this will continue to change them and change them. Not that all these desires will go away in all people, um, but they can glorify God and their, and their, uh, their awe of Christ, their awe of the goodness of Christ be- starts becoming the controlling desire in their life um, rather than uh, these feelings that they're having. Um, regarding uh, provocations, uh, young people can be uh, purposely or, or indirectly um, pushed in a wrong direction with comments and things like that. Um, but that doesn't cause this. It, the cause is out of the heart. So um, uh, we do need to be uh, careful and gentle and biblical and truthful and compassionate and just have this balance in, with, you know, with young people, whether their own children or the children of the church. Um, but it doesn't cause it. You could have those same things happen to somebody else but it's the person who has this unique lust in them, James 1.14, our own peculiar lust, um, that these provocations um, can draw out what's already in the heart. But the key is whatever, whatever's happened uh, genetically, whatever's happened hormonally, whatever's happened developmentally, it is not determinative. Um, Predisposition uh, uh, does not mean that it's predetermined. That it, it, there's change. That's the, that's the whole nature of um, the Christian walk is, is growth and change. And then I believe in your notes I gave you some key Bible passages. Is that right? Yeah, there's about eight that are key. There's, there's lots more in the Bible that refer to this topic. But there's eight key passages. Um, I'll talk about the one that I think is uh, the most key. Um, but... But I don't want to just talk about eight passages. I want to get back to the idea of all the marriage passages, every theme of marriage, every passage on marriage, uh, the, the, the idea of uh, um, bridegroom and bride, all that um, is the overwhelming evidence of um, and, and having in, uh, the, the, uh, in the creation ordinance being a male and a female, 
every, everything is um, the consistent theme of the, of, the, of the one man and the one woman. Uh, Romans 1, 25 and 27, I, I think is uh, the key passage to go to. Um, one, it's in the New Testament. Uh, two, it's the most clear passage uh, on the topic. And then it's also a passage that explains that it's wrong, what's wrong with it. It doesn't just interpret a word. So, for example, in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, it, a lot of translations say uh, homosexual. And, and people who want to come against this will say the word's just translated wrong. And they, just, they, they don't even need, need to talk about that anymore because they have, a, they have a, uh, a way to deal with that. But in Romans 1, 25 through 27, it's an explanation of it. There's not one word that's been translated. And then uh, this verse uh, also, this passage also gives you the, uh, the cause of it, that it's lies believed and wrong worship. It's idolatry. Um, and then it also talks about lesbianism being, being wrong. So if someone wants help, there's a process of change um, that we teach them and we apply this teaching to their wrong thinking, wrong behavior, gently reprove them. Um, we're praying for correction that there'll be repentance and faith and we'll walk with them and we'll train them in the many, many wrong habits, wrong thinking, wrong uh, way of life that they have. And we'll walk with them and disciple them and, and, and train them. So there's, there's a, um, a process of change that the scriptures are sufficient for that. And part of that process of change, though, in the correction, in the repentance and the faith, you've got to get to the heart, not just the behavior. And the heart is wrong desires, desiring something more than Christ. And really, if you had to sum up one heart issue, it's relationship idolatry. Um, what, however the person might uh, describe it to you, if they're, if they're working with you and they're wanting help or you're wanting to try to discern, uh, get a sense of uh, where, where these heart issues might be in somebody, it could be that they're craving affirmation, they're craving friendship, they're craving being nurtured, they're craving community. I had a girl that um, um, came to faith, and then after she came to faith, we started dealing with the lesbianism issue, and uh, it came out that all she was really all along looking for was a woman that would nurture her, that she didn't have in in her growing up, and that was so helpful to her to see that, um, you know, it isn't her identity, it's just something she was longing for and craving, and the more that she sees that the Lord is her nurturer, uh, the less she'll crave that and the more satisfied she'll be. Uh, community, you'll, um, you, you could see someone uh, be converted and now they're in the church and they're more about the, the church community than they are Christ. Um, there's this ten- these tendencies and so we, get, we need to help them to behold the goodness and uh, beauty of Christ more and more that they'll see these things um, really pale in comparison to him. And then in the process of change, we don't want them to change from homosexual to heterosexual. Uh, we want them to behold Christ. We want them to behold Christ for the first time, and then we want a lifetime of beholding Christ, primarily in the scriptures and primarily from the, cro- the glory of the cross. But you can behold Christ in fellowship and obedience and creation and 
Um, so we, we want them to behold Christ and to become more and more like Christ. That's how they get set free. Um, Jonathan Edwards called this taste bud transformation, that uh, at that level, um, they're tasting something that's, that's better. And um, you all and family and friends really need good teaching on this topic. There's, uh, there's terrible teaching that affirms homosexuality. There's sexual, uh, uh, excuse me, secular teaching that never gets to the idolatry. They might, there, there's some uh, secular therapists out there that will try to help people get free and they're uh, really opposed by the secular world, but they never get to the heart of the issue. They never get to the idolatry. And I've, had, I've worked with people that they, they, they're kind of understanding how this all happened to, him, to them, but they never saw the idolatry. And once they see the idolatry, there's, there's leaps and bounds of, of, of growth for them. So you need good teaching. Um, even in the Christian world, it could be a teaching like, you're not responsible for this, but um, don't act out on it. But we're responsible for our motivationally twisted hearts, and we're responsible for, for acting out on these things. Um, so there's teaching out there that it'll, it'll, it'll sound similar um, to what we're doing. Like they'll say, you know, Jesus loves his neighbor, and... Um, things like that, and that someone may have to be, they might, they have to be willing to change for you to be able to help them, but what the kind of teaching you want is unique from most teaching out there. You want someone who understands that it's the power, the power of God is in the gospel. It's in beholding Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit uses, mostly from the scriptures. You want someone teaching that the scriptures are sufficient. You want someone teaching that this is not some great mystery. This, this is revealed in the scriptures and how to walk, uh, th- how to walk a path to um, freedom um, and to glorify God with your life. Is, it's in the scriptures. This is, this is just another life-dominating sin um, that um, we help people with um, all the time. Um, speaking of good teaching, the, that's the booklet that was mentioned earlier, Is God Anti-Gay by Sam Elberry. It is one of the uh, best booklets written on the topic. Uh, and then here's, uh, here's lots of resources. Um, so our conference here, you'll be able to get this audio for free of all the three days. Last year's ACBC conference, you can get all that audio on this topic. Um, for this ACBC conference, uh, Heath Lambert and Denny Burke wrote Transforming Homosexuality. They did a, a fantastic job of taking this out of the behavior realm to the desire realm and showing biblically how the desires are wrong, and that's where this has to be. The repentance and faith has to be, has to be there. Um, Rosario Butterfield's book is um, a wonderful story. Um, Sam Albury's booklet, uh, Jim Neuheiser wrote, I Want to Change, where you, um, you, know, you can't just behave different. You know, it has to be the truths of the gospel, the glory of Christ, the indicatives of scripture have to be your motivation and power for change, but then you do have to put effort into change also. And then I I wrote a booklet called Coming Out. It's focused on um, trying to help somebody counsel somebody. Like if I was a counselor and I I needed to counsel uh, someone who was struggling with this that, that wanted the help, or I'm caring for family and friends um, who are living with someone, uh, a life with someone that doesn't want the help, this is to give you 
a real deep overall understanding so you know how to think, you know how to interact, but it's kind of from a counseling uh, viewpoint. So, so, so there's many other resources, but this is some of the stuff the church is doing um, to, to uh, have the right attitude that Jesus does love his neighbor, Jesus did come for the sick, but yet we also have the truth of uh, what's going to lead them to freedom. So let's zero in on more kind of specifically for caring for family and friends. Uh, always in all of life, we need to apply the gospel to all things. Uh, Romans 5, 6 through 10, uh, part of it says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. The passage goes on to say that we're sinners and we're enemies. I like that little, uh, that little rock that's written on there. I loved you at, at your at your darkest. So we need to apply the gospel. Um, that's us. This should promote mercy, and it, it should be the first thing. If you want to help someone, um, you cannot be self-righteous because you can have all the right answers, but you've got the wrong heart and the wrong attitude. So the, first, the starting place is to uh, not be self-righteous. So you get, the gospel does that for us. So it promotes mercy. Also, um, Thinking through this with the lens of the gospel, um, you're not overly shocked by this happening. Um, we know that we're, the longer we walk with the Lord, the more we know um, we're, we're so sinful that we can't see it all and we don't even want to sometimes think about it and we, we don't want to admit it and um, that that's, that's the world. So we, we shouldn't be really shocked by it. And if we are overly shocked by it, what we tend to do is react sinfully um, to the person that we're trying, trying to help. And this is, uh, this is idolatry against God. Um, this is primarily sin against God, not primarily against you as the loved one trying to care for them. And then it's the power of God is what's going to rescue them, and it's only the power of God in the gospel. Uh, it's only beholding Christ that is going to get them progressively set free from this. So you have a trial. It's a real trial, severe trial, um, but God's given us wisdom in trials. The first thing you need to do in a trial is turn to God's word. Um, And um, another thing that we can do in a trial is we can make a plan. You can help... um, whoever is really struggling with this and kind of most responsible, like a parent or somebody, uh, to make a plan. When people come in to see me for counseling, it doesn't matter what, they, what trial they're going through, we can come up with a plan that would be pleasing to the Lord. And it's very helpful um, to do that. And there's passages that you can go to to kind of discuss this and, and help them begin to do this. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 is one. Um, that passage starts out with humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Um, and it ends with cast your cares on him because he cares for you. So, so all that has to be in play. And so the plan that I have up here is I'm, cast, I'm helping people to write down and cast their cares on, on God, the things they have no control over, the things that only mighty God can uh, deal with. Um, like I have examples here of um, the outcome of this, um, the child's heart and choices, 
what, what people may think of you, how they may judge you, all those kinds of things. You have to cast that onto God. You have, to, you have to trust God with those things. You have to wait on God in those areas. But on your side, the humble side, where you're a created being and you can only do so much, we're not omnipresent, we're not uh, omnipotent, um, we're humble created beings, there's only so much we can do, but we do have things to do. We are to obey and we are to be active and we have responsibilities. And so I've listed some of those things here. Decide that you're going to glorify God in the trial. What, that, what should that look like? Pray with the right motives, not just praying, fix this, fix this. Lord, those kinds of things. Turn to God's word, apply the gospel, seek counsel, be long-suffering, protect your own marriage. We'll talk about that a little more. Marriages um, are very, uh, get under a lot of pressure in these situations. Uh, try to spend time with your loved one. Uh, be gentle, truthful, study. And we could add more. There's lots to do. Go to work. Um, take care of the home. There's lots of responsibilities. But if you drift over into God's side, you're going to neglect your responsibilities and you're going to get despairing. But if you cast God's side onto God, let him be mighty God, and you be humble, um, you have plenty to do. And, and, and these, are the, these are the initial steps. And then God will give you the next steps. And he'll give you the next steps. And you'll continue to be able to just continually cast onto God and carry out um, your responsibilities. Okay, the people, the loved ones who have, uh, um, uh, people who have uh, loved ones who are homosexuals, uh, they need a lot of support. They need a good friend. They need a pastor. Um, they need someone to help them walk down that middle of compassion and truth. Um, because they're going to be pulled to the extremes of, um, of, of wrong dealing with this situation. Um, they need someone like-minded to talk to. Uh, I'll, I'll talk with people. They'll call me a month later. And really what they want to hear, they want to hear right thinking. They want to, they want to be pointed to Christ. Because um, what they're experiencing is all this wrong thinking about the topic. And it's very difficult. Um, sometimes it could be from their spouse the wrong thinking, sometimes from close friends. Um, but they, they need that right thinking. They need to hear that balance again. And to, and to let them know that middle path is very crooked. Nobody walks it perfectly straight. You start headed towards the, the kind of extreme uh, fringes of what you should be doing, and they need someone to help them, remind them um, what that middle path looks like. The other thing is to help them know that the ultimate outcome of children or, or a friend, um, um, someone's child, uh, the ultimate outcome, number one, is the sovereign purposes of God. Um, next is the child's heart and choices. Um, no parent can grant their child repentance and faith. And then third position is the parent's faithfulness. And um, if you slip up into the first two, trying to take over the first two, you'll end up not being faithful. Um, you'll, if, you, if you forget what I'm talking about here, you'll, have, uh, uh, you'll feel guilty of things you're not guilty of. So I try to really help uh, people be free of inappropriate guilt and have this, this perspective and get them to focus. What does your faithfulness look like to God and to your child or, or your loved one? For teenagers, 
uh, this can be a very formidable problem. It really can. I don't, I don't want to um, um, like um, downplay it at all. Um, they have to desire to get free, and they have to do the work to get free. Um, and in our culture, there's such widespread affirmation um, that um, it, it really is a formidable problem. Um, they're, they're, uh, the kids today are living in a postmodern world. There is no right and wrong. That's, that's what they're hearing. Um, the Bible has been revised in our day. Um, so they're going to hear, there's nothing wrong with what you're doing. The Bible was misinterpreted. Um, it's, there's Bibles now that are rewritten that, that say that this is good and right before God. There's affirming churches, uh, whether they're a liberal church or they're a denomination like Metropolitan Community Church that will affirm uh, practicing homosexuality is good and right before God, and we welcome you here. Um, you know, we won't be judgmental. Why are you, why are you there uh, being inappropriately judged like that? Um, it's formidable in California and other places um, that Senate Bill 1172 that was passed about four years ago, therapists um, can't try to change the sexual orientation of someone under 18 years old. So it is a formidable, formidable problem, and um, you, you're going to need help. You're going to need to put a team together. Um, you know, you're going to need a, that good friend that will walk with you. You're going to need a pastor. Um, and others, you're gonna you're gonna need a team, a husband and wife part of a team. If uh, some positive things that we can do, if if the person wants the help, we can give an objective biblical standard instead of the confusion of feelings, and um, and changing uh, changing views on things. We can give this positive objective truth. If the if the uh, teenagers wanting the help, and then we need to affirm their our love for them. If they come and tell you, I think I'm homosexual, uh, and they might have been thinking that for years and years and years, and they were very afraid of telling their parents, they were afraid of an overreaction, that sort of thing. And so we do need to affirm our love, and if discipline is needed, uh, we actively love them uh, while we're disciplining them. Uh, we may need to seek forgiveness. There could have been years of a child growing up and uh, there was mocking going on and self-righteousness and judgmental uh, attitudes and that sort of thing. And so we may need to seek forgiveness for not being uh, careful with our words. We're not seeking forgiveness that we cause this. Remember I said that uh, we, can, we can sin and provoke, thing, provoke things, but the cause is out of their heart. Um, the church... Uh, if, if a child came up through the church, they may have heard mocking and self-righteousness in the church. And so there may be individuals or even a church leader that needs to take responsibility for um, this kind of thing. Um, there can be uh, a kid can be in sort of a slight depression. A lot of his, uh, his years he's growing up from the, the judgment that's on him. So you may need biblical counseling to dig out uh, how did I sin against you, but yet not not make it look like you know you you caused it they're still it's wrong what they're doing it's out of their heart but we did there there can be sin against the child uh, we need to recognize that the authority we have over our, our kids is quickly diminishing and we need the wisdom to to see that as authority is going down 
that we need to be building relationship. There's going to be a day when the kid's only going to listen to you if he wants to listen to you. And so um, we do need the wisdom to see there's a changing relationship between us and our children. So if someone's struggling with any, any realm on the spectrum of this, um, we want to have daily interaction with them uh, as a parent or, or a loved one or a friend. Um, we, we want to have maybe weekly undistracted time with, with, the, with the person. Um, uh, plan extended times to be um, focused on the, the teenager. Um, do things that are in the child's interest. Do things where you can, uh, you can talk but really listen to the child. Like if you go to a movie, um, there's not a lot of talking and listening going on. So you want to plan things where that you have the opportunity for that. And then investigate provocations in their life. If there are bad friendships and things, um, you want to stop those and you want to bring in, uh, try to bring in more quality friendships. Obviously, there could be resistance to that, but you do what you can. You monitor um, TV and Internet and the music they're listening and then you got the decision about public schools. What, what I would say is don't, you hear the news of uh, what your child's caught in or struggling with, and if they happen to be in a public school, I, I think wisdom is not to have a knee-jerk reaction where you automatically yank them out of school. It could be, it could be compounding the, the, uh, the distance that's being starting to develop between you and your child, but, but you can evaluate it. You should evaluate it. If you, if you have a school that um, really embraces homosexual ideology or promotes homosexual role models, there's gay and lesbian clubs, and, you, and you've evaluated, this is provoking my kids, uh, my kid to this, then, you know, you can pull them out of there. But it may not be, it may not be the case. It is increasingly the case. And then for an adult son or daughter, um, the homosexual community is... Uh, very influential. Um, they're a very welcoming community. Um, if you, it, it's actually a positive trait in them that they're very hospitable in the image of God. Um, but unfortunately, in this case, it's a way of drawing in and um, keeping in um, to, the, to, the, uh, to the harm of, of the person. Um, they could be coached that when they come and tell their parents uh, that they're homosexual, they could be coached of what you'll do. They're going to yell and scream. They're going to cry. And as they see, as they see the coaching coming true, they're 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 lining more and more uh, more and more up with their coach. Um, and then they could be told that uh, if your parents are angry and they they disown you, that kind of thing, it's actually like a rite of passage. That's that's uh, you're you're sort of a higher level in the hierarchy if that's your situation, rather than. Uh, wanting to keep the family structure together, um, they, they would reward that kind of thing. And then, so your response needs to be uh, balanced. Obviously, don't attack. Um, you want to be compassionate but uncompromising. Um, I you know, you see the signs that God loves. And, you know, I, the way I look at it is God loves us, his children, but he also tells us no. And so that's kind of the balance that we would have. You can ask general questions. Are you in a relationship? That sort of thing. And you can even, in this, in this initial uh, period of uh, discovery, you can acknowledge the suffering um, that, um, to keep such a secret from parents and 
to, to live a double life and all these things. There's, there's, there's different aspects of suffering um, that the child is, is going through. Now, with an adult son or daughter, it's not always just a matter of what's right or wrong, um, but it's going to require a lot of grace and wisdom to interact with um, uh, a son or daughter. So, um, by common grace, you're free to do good. You can buy a gift. You can help them get through college um, so they can provide for themselves. Um, you can affirm the image of God in them. If your kid is creative, affirm it. If they're kind, affirm it. Um, there, there is uh, virtues in them that that you can benefit from and, and you, can, you can affirm. Uh, be hospitable. You want to have uh, them over for meals. You want to have uh, attend events together. Um, you want to have uh, lots of conversations so if there's misconceptions, they can be cleared up. Um, they can see Christ in you. If there's prejudices, those can be cleared up. And then there could be a uncomfortable issues. And so what I, what I would try to do is address those with uh, your loved one ahead of time and privately. Um, what makes you uncomfortable? What makes me uncomfortable? And just the, the key in the discussion is we need to mutually respect each other. Uh, obviously, we disagree about certain things, but we need to mutually respect each other to be able to have a relationship and um, affirm your desire for that relationship. And you, you can clear up things like that. And then if they attend a church, I put church in quotes that affirms this, um, you, you don't have to feel obligated to go to a church that preaches a false gospel, um, that a church that doesn't have a gospel that includes repentance and faith. And you may hear this church is exactly like your church, uh, except the homosexual passages are interpreted properly. Um, I have attended those churches and watched, and there it's darkness, and there's many, many things wrong with those churches. Um, most importantly, the gospel's not not right. It's it's a false gospel. It's another gospel. Um, but there's many, many things that are that are unbiblical and dark and harmful in in those churches. Uh, a wedding issue might come up. Um, you don't have to be obliged to go to a wedding. Um, what, what I tell people is um, take some time to, to like, if they're going to go, what is your motive for going? The motive could be um, uh, people-pleasing with the kid. The motive could be the idol of the kid. Um, uh, so, you know, most people won't take the time to think about that. What is my motive for going? And um, that you can help them sort that out with that. And then the other thing I've noticed uh, with, uh, was really uh, got clear to me with one particular couple. Um, one of the spouses wanted to go, and the other one didn't want to go. Um, the one that didn't want to go, she felt it violated her conscience, and it also was just too emotionally difficult to sit there and watch that. And so to me, the other spouse should put their spouse ahead of the child and say there's no way we're going and not, not make it a blame game that we're not going because of her. Um, but you're 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 one, and you wouldn't you wouldn't uh, properly do that to your spouse. There's uh, you need the wisdom that there's uh, increased rate of uh, divorce. So a married couple need to be 
uh, very in tune to that and not allow anything to happen that divides them. There can be something obviously that, that someone wants to divide them, or it could be subtle things beginning to happen. They can't put their finger on it, but they've got to push back and not let anything divide them. There's an increased rate of divorce and there's an increased rate of violence within families and extended families uh, over the emotions of this, of this, of this uh, topic. What I see with couples is one, one spouse, sometimes they're perfectly united and they're walking that middle, that crooked middle of uncompromising uh, but loving. But, but what I see most often is one spouse is a little more towards this the relationship with my kid is more important than, than this is wrong. And the other spouse is more, this is more wrong than the relationship with my kid is important. And so the spouses start to divide. And so, um, you know, you try, to, you try to bring them each in where they're wrong so they can have that biblical middle together. Um, but it's important to know that there's a, there's a good chance they're going to start getting at odds um, um, because of the, the pressure. Um, yeah, what you'll see is one will begin to affirm too much and one will want to disown too much or on that spectrum. Um, and um, they'll be getting that pressure from the spouse and from friends. A friend will be pushing them towards, this is so wrong, how do you put up with that? And the other one was, that's your kid. You know, you, you've, got, you've got to allow them to do this and that. That's your kid. And so those are those phone calls where they call and you try to, try to get them back uh, in that middle place. And then uh, in some cases, people will abandon their faith in the Bible, um, try to help them not to be double-minded like that. Um, if, they're, if they're putting their kid ahead of, of, ahead of the Lord and his word, um, that's, that's not love. Um, it's, a, it's a self-serving thing they're doing. Um, they, they want their kid for themselves. They're loving themselves through that kid rather than receiving the love of God and then loving their kid in, in a Christ-like way. Uh, you got to think about young children. Um, you want to protect them from such a complex and visual issue. Um, although there's this balance that in today's day and age, they're going to be exposed younger and younger and younger to this. And so they do need a biblical, um, you know, it's the parent's decision when, but they do need a biblical understanding of, of what's going on because they, they will... They, they will be exposed so much earlier than previous generations. So you could have a situation where someone was a member of a church and they're in unrepentant homosexual sin and church discipline um, starts to become uh, where this is headed. Um, um, in Matthew 18, 12 through 14, the passage right before um, Matthew 18, 15 to 20, which is the church discipline passage, it says, leave the 99 on the mountain and go and search for the one. So the heart is, you have a straying sheep, and the heart is to, to go and pursue this person. Um, it's a heart of restoration and not, not judgment, but you could get to the point through a loving process uh, that the most loving thing to do is, be, is to begin the church discipline process. So if it's your loved one going through that, um, you need to be supportive of the church leaders um, in that. Um, and the grace of the church will be removed from the person, um, but it's not a shunning that the family doesn't need, the grace of the family doesn't, it remains uh, with the family. Okay. 
Okay, this is a scenario of a spouse. Um, sometimes someone gets married to someone who's been purposely deceptive about their homosexuality, and they're using the marriage to either have uh, what looks like a normal life, or they're using the marriage to try to cure their problem, that kind of thing. Um, but this is, a, this is a very serious, difficult situation. Um, you're married, and uh, there's been uh, this, such a serious lie going on, and it can be years of confusion, manipulation, hiding, uh, lying, that kind of stuff, and you can't figure out what's going on, uh, what, what, is, uh, what is the root uh, behind all these marital issues. So if this is the case, you're definitely going to not be able to do this on your own. You're going to need church leadership. Um, you're going to need guidance and protection. Um, it's a complex situation. Um, can be very, very traumatizing. Now I'm switching to same-sex attraction here. You could have a spouse who's not deceptive and homosexual, but they, they confess that they're starting to struggle with same-sex attraction or they had it before and they're having it again. That's a completely different situation. That You should look at that as the brokenness of man and God's redemptive purposes in this. And so I put this question, how does God view my spouse's struggle? That's the question the spouse should ask and answer, and that's what you do. It's, it's, uh, it's brokenness and, and, and redemption. Okay, the topic of a friend who's homosexual. Um, a lot of people ask, is it okay to have... If I'm the same sex to be a friend, or will that be, you know, that will be a sexual thing? Um, a healthy same-sex friendship is almost always, definitely, often missing from the life of a homosexual. They absolutely need that. They need a friend that has no sexual motive. Um, they need to be affirmed by the same sex, um, whether it's a friend or someone in your church struggling with same-sex attraction. Um, I can affirm them, I can hug them, and it's completely appropriate. Um, so they really do need that. And uh, counseling a man with a man struggling with this, that's appropriate. He's going to see an, a, an appropriate uh, relationship between, between two men or, or, or two women. And, and uh, the relationship can be authentic. You can, you can have a real friendship uh, with somebody like this. They have the image of God in them. They could be very, very kind. Uh, very, very bright, uh, very, very productive. You can, you can have a friendship. You can't have the same kind of friendship with two people who have the same Lord, but you can have a real friendship. And a real friendship would be, what you're doing is wrong. I love you. I enjoy your company. You know, it would be, it would be that, that balance. And you don't need to preach to them every time you're with them that this is wrong, this is wrong. They know where you stand, and this is a long-term uh, relationship. Um, as far as evangelism. Okay, some final thoughts. Um, homosexuality is far from unchangeable. Um, in 1 Corinthians 6.11, it says, Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified um, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, the context of this includes homosexuality. So in all history, this has been a problem and there's been change and freedom. It doesn't mean um, there's going to be complete change, but there is case, lots of cases with complete change. 
I have someone very, very close to me that would say, I don't know who that person was that had that, that attraction. And now she's more uh, man crazy, you know, one extreme to the other with the swing of the heart. Um, so there absolutely can be. They shouldn't say, I'll never be free of this. You say what God has planned will happen. The nature of the Christian life is progressive change. Um, and then you have somebody like Sam Elberry, glorifying God, uh, um, a servant, and can, still struggling with it. But is he growing and changing? He is, and, and, he's, and he's glorifying God. And then uh, pray for mercy. Um, Romans 9.15 says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. All mankind is under judgment. Um, for those of us who are believers, God had mercy on us. Uh, God is the potter, we're the clay. So the, the prayer is um, mercy. And then preach Christ. Um, preach the beauty of Christ both in your words and in your deeds. Um, have them behold Christ in your fellowship. First uh, Thessalonians 2.8 says, We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. So, our prayer and our goal is that the homosexual will worship the Creator. And, but our prayer and our goal is also that you all, as family and loved ones, the prayer and goal is you'll worship the Creator. And um, you can do that. Um, so let me, let me close by praying for us. Father in heaven, uh, give us a zeal and a compassion for those who are caught in homosexuality, but with biblical knowledge. And we do pray for mercy for our loved ones. We cry out for mercy. Um, and we do give you glory that you are the potter and we're the clay. And Lord, help us when we slip past that place of knowing our place and your place that we would just close our mouths. And we do want in our own lives to behold the beauty and goodness and awe of Christ more and more that we can not only uh, preach in our words and our deeds that we want you to know Christ, but we can say we want you to have our very lives and uh, help those that are um, dealing with this, that their goal would be to love and trust and fear you above all things. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Copyright 2016, IBCD, all rights reserved. More free resources are available at www.ibcd.org.